0: John chapter 19 this morning, we'll begin reading in verse 12, John 19 and verse 12. As we continue going through the Gospel of John, John 19 verse 12 says, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha, And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pete Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Leave off reading there in verse 15. We have no king but Caesar. On the night our Lord was betrayed, he was led by a multitude of Romans and Jews to face the Jewish leaders. They spent most of the night examining him, calling for false witnesses against him. And finally, he plainly stated that he was Israel's Messiah and that he was the very Son of God. That statement out of his own mouth would condemn him to death by their standards, but they had no legal right to put him to death, so they, as a crowd, took him to Pilate and demanded that Pilate would put him to death. In Luke chapter 23, verse 2, after Pilate asked him, What is he guilty of? They said, we found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. After examining our Lord, Pilate stated on at least three different occasions that there was no fault in him chapter 18 and verse 38, chapter 19 and verse 4, and chapter 19 and verse 6 in the Gospel of John. Three different occasions. Pilate himself says, I find no fault in him. Pilate, learning that he was from Galilee, sent him to Herod. Herod examined him, and Herod sent him back to Pilate. And both Herod and Pilate said to the Jews, there is no fault to be found in this man. And then Pilate had him scourged and He was mocked by the Roman soldiers. After his scourging, Pilate once again presented the Lord Jesus Christ to the Jews, but they chose Barabbas and demanded that the Lord Jesus Christ be crucified. And all that was taking place in those events, our Lord Jesus Christ showed by His words and by His action that he and his Father were in complete control of all the events taking place. The text before us this morning was preceded by a conversation between Jesus Christ and Pilate. Verses 10 and 11. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest, not, knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin." Verse 12 opens up with the words, "...and from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him." From thenceforth, what does that mean? The old English language here. From that moment forward, Pilate increased his efforts to release the Lord Jesus Christ. From the time that Pilate heard the Jews say that our Lord had declared Himself to be the Son of God and was guilty of death according to their law. And from the time that Pilate heard Jesus Christ say that He had no power over Him except it had been given Him from above. Pilate sought for a way to release Him. The Greek word behind the English word sought here means that he kept on seeking for ways to release the Lord Jesus Christ because he knew he was not guilty of anything worthy of death. Now John or any of the other Gospels record all of those ways that Pilate was seeking. But something was going on in Pilate's mind about what the Jews had said about Jesus and something was going on in his mind and heart about what Jesus had said about not having any authority over him except it was given to him by heaven, by above. His wife had said, don't have anything to do with this man. And the Jews were crying in his ear to crucify him and he found no fault with him. He's looking for a way to get out from underneath. This Responsibility placed upon him by the Jews. He kept on seeking for ways to release the Lord Jesus Christ because he knew that he was not guilty. Actually, as the Roman governor, Pilate could have released the Lord Jesus Christ in a moment. He is the final authority in this situation. He could have just said, I find no fault with him and release him. He didn't even have to have him scourged. It was against Roman law to have him scourged, as I said a couple of weeks ago. Governor of Judea over Israel with the final authority to just release him. But at the same time, he was continually at as he was continually seeking a way to release the Lord Jesus Christ he was afraid He was afraid of the political power of the Jews
1: This is revealed
0: in the statement in verse 12 where they said if thou let this man go thou art not Caesar's friend That's going on in our day, in our country, in states, and at the federal level. Politicians are afraid because of the voices of a handful of people. Afraid to do what's right. Afraid to stand on what is legal and lawful in our country. Sometimes it goes on in Baptist churches, afraid because of what the people will say if I preach thus and thus. Pilate was not a man with conviction. He is a man with political power, but he is not a man with conviction. He was a man ruled by the fear of man. He was a man ruled by his own desires to remain in power. At the same time that he was trying to release Jesus, The Jews were saying, you're not a friend of Caesar's if you do. And he's just quaking with fear. The Jews were crying out, if you let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. This phrase, the Jews, refers to the whole multitude of Jews that had gathered to go and fetch Jesus out of the Garden of Gethsemane. that had brought him before the before the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, and then the council, and had with this great number of Jews and Romans had brought him before Pilate. It is a huge company of people. They gathered together to bring our Lord Jesus Christ from Gethsemane to Pilate. That phrase, the Jews, it refers to the chief priests, to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the whole council to the officers that are mentioned in previous texts, and to a multitude of Jewish common people, all gathered, all crying out. The word cry here in the Hebrew means to scream. What is being said here is Pilate is setting Jesus before I want, looking for a way to release this man, and this multitude is just crying out at the top of their lungs. Shouting. That's what's going on. Pilate stands there at the judgment, on the judgment pavement. And this crowd of hundreds are crying out for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The raised voices of the Jewish crowd prevailed over truth. The raised voices of the Jewish crowd prevailed over facts. The raised voices of the Jewish crowd prevailed over Jewish law. And the raised voices of that Jewish crowd prevailed over Roman law. And we have exactly the same thing going on in our country today. Because someone can talk louder, use curse words. Get in your face. They get their way. Against the wall. That's what's happening here. This is the perfect example of what we call mob rule. People screaming lies. Screaming against the truth. Unwilling to believe the truth. As to who Jesus Christ is. Unwilling to receive the words that have come out of His mouth. Rejecting Him. Rejecting His words. And screaming at the top of their lungs for a lie. What we see here is religion. Gone mad. Against God. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Caesar. Now, brethren, I've shown you from the Scripture, it is true that Jesus Christ was declared by the Jews to be king. He came into Jerusalem riding on a a foal of a donkey. and In John chapter 12, in verse 13, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. They are crying out that this one is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. That crowd crying out, he wasn't declaring himself king, but they were. In John chapter six, sometime earlier than what took place there at Jerusalem at this time, he was feeding the five thousand. And in John six and verse fifteen, the scripture says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed. Again into the mountain, a mountain himself alone. He left and went and hid himself from the crowd that was going to take him captive and make him king in Israel. John 6 and verse 15. His whole ministry has not been about a physical kingdom, his ministry has been about a spiritual kingdom. He has said to the Jews, The kingdom of God is within you. He has said to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. Despite the fact that Jesus had rejected an attempt to make Him king, despite the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ had told the religious leaders that His kingdom was spiritual, that His kingdom was a matter of the heart, despite the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ had plainly told Pilate My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would rise up and the Jews would not have been able to take me. He'd said that already. This is a matter of record. Jewish record, Roman record. And yet, despite that, the Jews still say that Jesus Christ made Himself King. You see how religious people lie in order to get their own way. The Caesars were Roman emperors. They were dictators. Their voice of authority was final. They would not, they could not allow the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ to contradict their power. They could not do that. If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar's. You're no friend of the dictator. This is still true today. Every government in the world hates true Christianity. Because among those who are true Christians, the voice of God is more important than the voice of their government. It doesn't mean that they reject government. They submit themselves to government when it is righteous. But the voice of God, in the Word of God, Speaks truth. And God's word is more important to them than what the governor or the president or the prince or the prime minister says. What God says is their rule of faith and practice. What God says is how they dictate their life. They live peaceable lives in a nation that hates them. But they're going to follow God. They're going to follow Him. Governments hate that. The Chinese government hates that. Russians hate that. Catholics in, in Catholic ruled nations hate that. Hindus in India hate that. When God lays hold on people and turns their heart to His Son and they open up the Scriptures and they see this is the Word of God. And the, and the government says, no, this is not true. And they say, no, but it is true. And they say, I'm Caesar. What I say is true. And the child of God says, we respect authority. But this is what is true. Our government cannot tell us that which is contradictory to God. This has been an issue going on from the beginning. Peter said to the Jews, you tell us, you said to the Jewish Sanhedrin, to the council, you tell us whether it is better to obey God than men. You tell us what we should do in this situation. You say we ought not to do this and God says we ought to do it. You tell us what we ought to do. He refused to be made king. He refused to be, uh, be uh, uh, the, the idea that he was there to establish a physical kingdom on the earth. Yet the Jewish leaders lied. Governments of the world hate true Christianity because the voice of God is more important to Christians. It is also true that all man made religions. Hate Christianity, true Christianity. Again, the reason is because no man made religion can allow the voice of God to go contrary to their religion. Yeah. You take up the word of God and you'll know that I was raised Catholic. You know that I've spoken to priests and I've talked to Catholics before and you take up the Word of God and you speak to this dear soul. But this this religion teaches this. The Pope says this. But the Word of God says this. And there's this conflict. Who am I going to believe? And the Jehovah Witness and the Mormon and the Baptist and the Charismatic. But the Word of God says this. What am I going to believe? If you're a Christian, you're... F- faced with that decision, I remember shortly after my conversion, very shortly after my conversion, reading the Word of God and coming across a text and thinking, oh, I didn't know that. That contradicts what my priest taught me. What am I going to believe? My whole family's Catholic. And in that moment, in the early hours of the morning, in that moment, I bowed my head before my God and said, Thy Word is truth. I will believe what it says. They're lying about who He is and what He has said. Their statement... Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar shows how low the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders of the nation of Israel, how low they have stooped in the mire of lies and deception in order to put this man, Jesus Christ, to death. Later, in verse 15, they will claim to be faithful, loyal servants to Caesar alone. If thou let this man go. Sometimes we read in English and just keep on reading. And I want to lay hold on these two words. The phrase, this man, confirmed their idea concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He was only a man. But not, just a man, they were men also. They didn't talk like this about themselves. Only about Him. But this man, if you let this man go, this man who we hold in utter contempt, this man who we have delivered unto you as a criminal, this man who you have scourged, this man who your Roman soldiers have mocked, this man whose visage is so marred, that he's not recognizable as a man anymore, according to Isaiah 52, that he's not even a normal man. This man, if you let this man go, then you're no friend of Caesar. The contempt, the despising, the hatred that's flowing out of their hearts. Before Pilate, the Roman governor, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Because whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. The Jews knew that Pilate was more concerned for himself than he was for the rule of law. He was more concerned for himself than he was for the life of an innocent. The innocent Son of God. The Holy Child of God. He was more concerned for himself than he was for everything that was right and good and just in this situation. The Jews knew that. The Jews knew their cry concerning being Caesar's friend would move Pilate to give them what they wanted, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this exchange, we see both Jews and Pilate choosing the world over the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate choosing the Roman world over Christ, the Jews choosing their religious world over the Lord Jesus Christ. This has always been the true the basic foundational question with regard to true Christianity. What will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you choose him over the world? Will you choose him over sin, over money? Will you forsake all and follow him? As He said in His Word, will you choose what God says is true over the lies of the world about who you are and what you are? Will you choose what God says is true over the lies of the world about who Jesus is and what He is? Will you choose what God says is true? Or will you listen to the cries, the shouting of the world and follow the lies If you let this man go you are no friend of Caesar. If you let this man go, if you let this man go, you are no friend of the world that you live in. If you deny us the death of Christ, you are no friend of the world. And the verse thirteen opens up when when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabatha. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, when Pilate heard that his choice was between the Lord Jesus Christ and Caesar. Pilate heard that if you will have Christ, you cannot have this world. you know what's going on here? Pilate rules at the pleasure of Caesar. If Pilate lets Jesus Christ go, the Jews tell Caesar it's Pilate's job. But more than that, it's Pilate's life. Caesar puts him to death. If you follow Christ, Pilate... It means you have no career. If you follow Christ, it might mean that your life is short on this earth. And when Pilate heard that, when Pilate heard that the choice was between the Lord Jesus Christ and the world he knew and the world he loved, When Pilate saw that it was between the Lord Jesus Christ and the loss of his career and most likely the loss of his life, when Pilate therefore heard that, he determined, despite the facts, that he had already said at least three times, there is no fault in this man. Despite the lies, despite the fact that he knew the Jews were delivering him for envy, despite all that was before him, he determined that he would condemn Jesus to death by crucifixion. In his judgment against the Son of God, Pilate first sealed his own judgment. As he stood before Jesus that day, the Son of God. In his judgment against him, he sealed his own soul's destruction. You cannot come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk away and pretend like everything's just going to be the same. You cannot. You cannot. The scripture says in John chapter three, verse eighteen, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19 follows with this word of instruction. And this is the condemnation. This is what it is. Condemned already. And this is the condemnation. Light is coming to the world. And men love darkness more than light because their deeds are evil. Pilate stands before the light of the world. His whole life has been lived in darkness. The darkness of pagan Rome. He has worshipped the gods of Rome. He, he's risen in power uh, with lies and deception. He has a political clout about him. And the light of the world stands before him. Pilate loves darkness more than light. And in doing so, condemned his own self. What an awesome thing is taking place here. We read the words of John chapter 19 and we think in our mind what a travesty of justice. We think in our mind what Lies are being told. We think in our mind about how corrupt politicians can be and religious leaders can be, but we do not think or give serious enough consideration that the decisions made that day sealed for eternity the souls of those who rejected the living God, who stood right before them. As He sat upon this elevated seat, this pavement or this seat that was elevated above the rest of the place. Where he had only moments before declared there was no fault in this man. Moments only have passed. He now condemns the Lord Jesus Christ. Pronounced Him to be guilty and then pronounced upon Him the death sentence of crucifixion. He, the Scripture says saith unto the Jews in the middle of that making that judgment, saith unto the Jews, Behold your King. Sitting upon his elevated seat of judgment. You you ever been in a courtroom? All the chairs are down here and the lawyers are here. And then you come up and there's a platform up here and there's the judge. And he's looking down. That elevated seat of the judge. That's where Pilate is. As he's looking down upon Jesus Christ scourged and mocked by the Romans, and He's looking at the multitude. He says to the Jews, Behold your King. Behold your King. In the opening days of His earthly ministry, the prophet John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. At the closing... Days of his earthly ministry, Pilate, a pagan king, a pagan governor, says, "Behold, your king." The word "behold" means to look with intensity, to not a, a not a casual glance, but to peer upon, to to look upon with 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 the intent of learning about the situation. As he sets forth. Jesus as their Pilate, probably to mock them. The commentators are all over the place on why He said this. Because neither Pilate nor the Jews really believed that Jesus was King. But He was. Just not the kind of King they declared Him to be. And when He says, Behold your King, they cry out, and the, the word here is again, that shout from the multitude of hundreds. Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate comes back, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king, but Caesar. Shall I crucify your king? Here. In these words, out of the mouth of a pagan governor, if you look behind all that is going on, remember in the last several weeks I've been saying to you that you cannot look at what is going on in chapter 18, 19, 20, and 21. You cannot look at what's going on here without seeing and understanding that God's controlling hand is is involved here. That everything is coming forth, every word out of the mouth of Christ, every word that is being said, everything is happening by the predeterminate counsel of God, as the scripture says in Acts 2. Pilate says to the Jews, Behold your king, whether he was mocking or not, it is the truth. Whether he believed it or not, it is the truth. Balaam's donkey can speak, it is the truth. He is their king. And so I believe here we see God using the words of a pagan governor to speak yet one more time to unbelieving Jews the truth concerning the Son of God. What mercy can be seen in this? Sinners turned their back upon God. I wasn't saved till I was 24. My life full of sin. Turned their back upon God. Raised, just do whatever you want to do and did whatever you wanted to do. Uh, irreligious. Uh, and in the providence of God, The woman I married when she was 13 years old was given a Bible. I never had a Bible in my house growing up. And she kept it in a box and we got married and wherever we moved, she moved that box and she put it in a drawer. We didn't read the Bible. That wasn't our life. And then one day, God had a witness in my house given to her by Jehovah Witness grandmother. And I picked up the Word of God. Didn't know what to do. And open up page one in the beginning. God. Oh. What a trial to get through that Old Testament. (laughs) What a burden of sin upon my soul during those times. And coming into the, into the light of the New Testament and hearing out of the mouth of Jesus, Thy sins are forgiven. And from a Jehovah Witness to a 13-year-old, and then I'm 24 years old, opening up a witness that God had provided when I didn't even know her. We met when we were 14. Hundreds of Jews are standing before Pilate. And out of the mouth of a pagan god, Behold your King. They of course have no ears to hear. They have no eyes to see. But nonetheless it is a true statement. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. It is true. Whether the world believes it, whether the religious world believes it, whether Democrats or Republicans believe it, it doesn't make any difference whether Hindus or Muslims believe it. He is king. He is God's king. I have set my king on my holy hill, God has said, What mercy can be seen in these words of a God who has used circumstance after circumstance as roadblocks on the road to hell, to sinners that they might hear about Jesus Christ. When faced with the words of Pilate, Behold your King, the whole multitude of the Jews cry out in the loudest voice demanding that He be crucified. Pilate's response was to ask a second question. This second question shows us that He intends to make sure that the Jews are responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. Shall I crucify your king? Not shall I crucify the one who claims to be king. Not shall I crucify the ones you said is king. Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. That statement is a clear declaration of Israel's rejection of God as their Savior King. It's the final culmination of Israel's choice to have a man-made king rule over them rather than God Himself. The decision began many, many hundreds of years earlier in the reign of Samuel, the prophet. After the time of the judges, Samuel is raised up. And Samuel is now coming to be of old age. His sons are not what they should be. Israel gathers and says in 1 Samuel 8 and verse 5, Behold, thou art old. Thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. We want what the world has. We want what the rest of the world has. they got a king ruling over them. All the nations have one. We don't. We want one. But the thing displaced Samuel. It says in verse 6, 1 Samuel 8. When they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord, verse 7, said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Those words out of the mouth of God during the reign of Samuel the prophet, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, God stands before Pilate. And out of the mouth of those same same Jewish people that generations later, we have no king but Caesar. We will not have this man rule over us. Jesus had said during the parable, they they would say we will not have this man rule over us. They will not have Jesus be king in their lives. But there is a day coming when every sinner, both Jew and Gentile, will bow before Almighty God and declare in that day that Jesus Christ is king, that He is Lord. Matthew records it in Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory. Matthew 25, 31. And all the holy angels with Him. Then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Sits as King upon His throne. And before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats verse 33 says he shall say to he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left matthew 25:34 says then shall the king say then shall the king say Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. And they enter in with joy into the presence of our God. Verse 41. Matthew 25. Verse 41. Then shall he say unto them on his left hand, Then shall the king say to them that on his left hand, Depart from me. He cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Paul records in Philippians chapter 2 that when Jesus Christ was raised and ascended to heaven and take his place upon his throne, that God gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. On His right hand are the sheep, and when they bow before the King, they are ushered into glory. On His left hand are the gates, and they bow before the King, and are cast into everlasting fire. Jesus Christ is King. Every knee shall bow. None shall escape. Pilate's word, behold your king. And their word, we have no king but Caesar. Not only has Pilate sealed his eternal damnation and his condemnation of the Son of God and rejection of him, but the Jews in one voice reject him as their God. Thank God for mercy and grace. Because in 40 days, 50 days later, 53 days later from this, Mm -hmm. God's going to save 3,000. A week later, 5,000 Jews. And then He stops adding and starts multiplying. God does save some of them. And the Gospel is sent out to the Gentiles and God saves Gentiles. Everyone that God saves from their sins understands, as I did back in 1975 when God saved me, I'm not the same. God, something has changed from the inside. God has done something for me that only God can do. Jesus Christ has forgiven me my sins. I owe him my life. No one taught me that. It was in me. I owe him my life. He's forgiven me my sins, He's taken me to heaven. My life does not belong to me anymore. It's His. Later on, months later, I would read, Thou art bought with a price. You're no longer your own. Oh, that's true. I know that. It's the testimony of the Scriptures that Jesus Christ is King. Before we are finished with chapter 19 and 20, He will be crucified. But He will not remain In the grave, He will rise. And He will not remain on the earth. He will ascend. And when He does, He takes His place upon His throne. Rules and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords over all mankind, over His whole universe. This is the One who can save you from your sins. This is the One, dear child of God, who is worthy to be served. Let's pray together. Father,